1: Welcome back to Prospects to Pros on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Dane Brugler, as always, with Lance Zerline. On today's show, we're going to answer your questions, different topics, uh, draft, NFL rookies. Uh, We want to get back to our position-by-position breakdown, what we're uh, evaluating at the running back position. Uh, But first, I want to touch on the Senior Bowl. Uh, We're now over 60 invites, close to 70, and really, the, the quarterbacks are what's standing out early on. We have... Five accepted invites so far, including Kyle Trask, who Jim Nagy told us on last week's pod is the Senior Bowl's highest ranked senior quarterback. So no real surprise there, but you haven't already. I encourage you to go back, listen to that episode, hear Nagy's thoughts on Trask. Texas A&M's Kellen Mond, Texas's Sam Ellinger, uh, Georgia's Jamie Newman are also invited. Then there was a surprise name uh, last week, the fifth guy. Notre Dame's Ian Book, who has played well this season, but still a little bit of a surprise. I mean, I still grade him as a PFA prospect. Uh, Surprising to see him part of that mix. And really, the moment that was announced, it kind of became clear that the Senior Bowl is probably going to take eight quarterbacks this year, which Nagy did later confirm. And the reason I say that is because they have to keep two spots open for Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones, two juniors who are on track to get their degree, or Mac Jones already has his degree. Trevor Lawrence is on track to get his degree in December. So the chances of Trevor Lawrence playing is is very, very low. But you have to make him say no. You have to keep that spot open for him. So Lance, your thoughts on the quarterbacks who are confirmed, uh, at least at this point. You know, is there a certain quarterback that stands out for you?
2: Um. So, I know who Sam Ellinger is. I kind of feel like I know who Kellen Mond is, although I do think Mond has is, is performed better this year with a good running game and and an offensive line that is uh, one of the, on the Joe Moore Award um, honor roll for best offensive line in of college football. And I'm telling you, they're they're going to... I think they're going to keep on rolling uh, towards the semifinals as well for that position. So I, I think Kellen Mond has played better, and he's got interesting size and athleticism combination. You and I talked about him in a much earlier podcast. Sam Ellinger, you know, I, I know who he is. I mean, he's yeah. a tough guy. He's, he's got some limitations. Book is okay. I really, I could say Kyle Trask, but the fact is, I want to see Jamie Newman because. To, when I watch Jamie Newman's tape, and I've I've already written him up, but I, I want to see what he does in a Senior Bowl. You know, he doesn't work with great anticipation. I thought his arm was okay. He was not as great an athlete as I expected as a runner. He was more of a volume runner than he was an explosive uh, ball carrier. And I thought his decision making was was just okay as well. I feel like he, right now he's a developmental prospect, one of those like fourth round types. I, I typically I make it I call it a six zero. Mm-hmm. a 6 O D, d which is developmental fourth round and I need to see him more he didn't play this year I think this year would have been a big year for him but if you just operate off tape he, he's not a guy that I feel comfortable taking on day one or day two so I really want to see what he does in the senior bowl to maybe convince people that he is that guy that the physical traits you know you you can bank on the traits because he is a projectable talent. So I would say of all the quarterbacks, he's the one that I'm most intrigued by moving forward.
1: Yeah, I know. I agree, and it's going to be a big week for him after he chose to opt out. Uh, you know, last year in the in the ACC at Wake Forest, uh, you know, he finished second in that conference in you know total offense and total touchdowns. Uh, had a pretty nice year that kind of you know grabbed attention, setting up his senior season. But of course. Uh, We just, we don't have that. And and so, you know, he's, he's a guy that when you watch him, he, he avoids the, that, you know, that killer bad decision. And he seems to make plays when they present themselves. But I didn't think he was a consistent creator on tape. Uh, You know, he's sturdy, good sized kid. He's mobile. He's a confident quarterback uh, but his reads are undeveloped. The pocket press, the pocket presence, doesn't really get you excited for what the next level is going to throw at him. So I agree with you. He's a developmental level player. Who, I, I you know, what's his ceiling as a quarterback in the NFL? I mean, I, I kind of tend to think based on what we've seen so far, it's maybe a Jacoby Brissett type of quarterback, uh, which. You know, Brissette's a uh, you know a low end starter, high end backup. So I don't know you know how much that's saying, but I, I do agree with you. I think you know somewhere early on day three is where his draft stock is right now at this moment.
2: Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, and the the thing with with when you look at for example. You're going to have an interesting comparison between Jamie Newman and Kellen Mond, for example, from a size standpoint, guys who both can get outside the pocket. But Mond is a legit, like, he is a legit runner who, to me, he's very reminiscent of when I was at Senior Bowl and watched Colin Kaepernick coming out of Nevada. Um, And Kaepernick had a little, you know, they also, they both have distinct releases. Only I think Mond actually, from a technical standpoint, has some things over over Colin Kaepernick, but Colin had some special um, athletic talent as a, as a linear player. With Newman, Newman has been working, I believe he's working or going to work with or is already working with Quincy Avery, who is uh, going to be the quarterback coach. He's a quarterback coach for Trey Lance and also, obviously, Deshaun Watson, people know that. So I'm really intrigued to see what version of Jamie Newman, who opted out this year, comes into mobile. A guy, I know there's going to be more invites. You always have to keep your eye on the juniors who have graduated because they're the ones who can you know, roll into one of those spots and and I know that Jim wants to carry eight quarterbacks this year. Are you intrigued at all by by Kenny Pickett from Pitt?
1: Oh yeah, no, that that you you got my my next question was going to be, okay, so we've got three more spots and I'd be shocked if Kenny Pickett isn't one of them. I mean, I I think he's you know he's his physical traits don't jump out at you. You know his hand size is going to be talked about way too much. He's but he's very he's a smart quarterback. He knows to go knows where to go uh, find the vulnerable spot. He's very quick with his reads. I I, I'd be shocked if Kenny Pickett doesn't get one of those spots. Uh, And then let's say Trevor Lawrence doesn't go, and let's say Mac Jones does decide to go. So that leaves us one more spot. And, you know, then we're talking about Felipe Franks, Shane Bouchelle, uh, Derek King at Miami. Um, I, what do you think about these quarterbacks that are kind of still left on the uh, on the table as options?
2: You know, I always look at the most upside. I don't see the uh, the quarterbacks you mentioned. Bouchelle, from his start at Texas to where he is now and his consistency over the last two years at SMU, I think he would intrigue me most. I think I, I feel like I know who Felipe Frank says, So I, I'm not as excited. I don't think Derek King is going to be a quarterback on the next level, uh, but that also makes him intriguing because mm-hmm. it'd be kind of cool to see him run some wide receiver or running back and quarterback, maybe work out at multiple positions. Charlie Brewer is okay. You know, there's a kid out of Liberty who's a redshirt junior. I don't know about his status for graduation, but Malik Willis, who had come from Auburn – has put up some pretty decent numbers for a uh, a Liberty team that, you know, he's. I just I think he could be uh, a very interesting, um, a very interesting potential guy. He's a run pass quarterback, so he might be somebody to keep an eye on if he if he does indeed graduate as a redshirt junior. So those are some names to 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 keep an eye on. I, I'm not excited about the back end, but. I'm pretty much never excited about the back end quarterback prospects at the senior bowl, but I would right. say there's a little bit more here from a name brand standpoint, and I do think if I had to pick one, um, it would probably be Bouchelle because he has had two strong years and he is a former University of Texas uh, uh, prospect who, you know. Had enough chops to be recruited by a team like Texas, and now has put some pretty good production together over there at SMU.
1: Yeah, going back to Mal- Malik Willis, uh, Liberty, uh, the Auburn transfer, he, he's really interesting. I mean, you can't really ignore that production. Uh, a lot of touchdowns, very few turnovers. Uh, I, just personally, I would love to see him go back because when you you know really break him down, he's. Uh, he's staring down his targets. He's predetermining decisions, uh, you know, too willing to throw off balance. And that really affects his placement, but man, he's exciting. He's fun. Uh, You see that poise, athleticism. He's a decently built player. So he can run through arm tackles and uh, create with his legs. Uh, And I mean, that's really what gets you excited is just that dual threat ability, but he's got decent zip on his throws where he can push the ball too. So there he's a lot of fun. No question about the talent. Just, uh, hopefully, I, I just I really like to see him get another year of, of seasoning at the college level before uh, he's thrown to the wolves in the NFL. Uh, one more question for you on the Senior Bowl, and you know, like I mentioned, we're almost at 70 confirmed invites of the guys who are have been invited uh, so far. Is there an invite for you that really has you excited? I'll, I'll give you my guy first. I to me, I think it's Kadarius Tony of Florida. That that's who I. I'm really excited to see his special athlete He's so elusive. He's Uh, so explosive. His his joints are rubber. I mean, just, it's crazy how he's able to move the way he is Uh, that start stop, that suddenness that he brings. Um, But you know, his routes are going to be put under a microscope in those one-on-ones. He's at Florida. He's more of a gadget player. When he is asked to run downfield routes, you see, you know, way too many steps. He's wild. I mean, he still gets open because just his natural explosiveness. But uh, you really want to see him rein it in a little bit, be a little more controlled with what he's doing. So can't wait to see that. And even though we don't get to see the interview process, that's going to be crucial for Tony's evaluation down there in Mobile. Uh, it's He's a little complicated with his off field. Teams are going to be focusing on uh, their efforts to really figure him out. So, uh, w- what about you, Lance? Who is someone that you just can't wait to see down there in Mobile?
2: Well, there's there's really two. Um, I don't know if I should cheat your question at all because I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll mention one, Nico Collins. Yeah. Because I just I feel like he's somewhere in that Nikhil Harry blend that you're not sure that he can get separation but he is going to test well Um, he's going to run faster than you think he plays the same way Nikhil Harry did it's just you're worried about separation but he's great at contested catches Mike my comp is Nikhil Harry because I I feel like he's got some of the I feel like he's got some of the same characteristics where he relies on contested catches because he's big strong and able to do it the guy that I'm really excited about though is Spencer Brown for Northern Iowa he's -hmm. right tackle he's a former tight end he's he came into school or out of high school. He was about 215 pounds. Um, Northern Iowa decided to offer him based on they kind of eyeballed his frame. I'm I'm working on a uh, I'm actually working with the former analytics director for the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, Tyler Oberly, and we're working on a program and we're we're talking to different colleges because Tyler can take measurements, body type measurements, wrist, knee, height, weight. Um, Uh, um, your wingspan and he can project he's got he's got data where he can project what your frame type is going to be which is invaluable when you're talking about a 15 16 17 year old guys who are late bloomers or you know who are going to grow into their frames and i bring that up because you know all these colleges are extremely excited about this stuff that we're doing and really mainly tyler's doing but that's the way that they found they just use the old eyeball test. He had a coach right. come in and basically just kind of eyeball his frame and said, yeah, you know, he's got thicker legs. He's got this, that, and the other. He's broader shoulders. I think he can carry more weight. So they brought him in. He's 100 pounds heavier now than he was in high school. He They brought him as a tight end. He became a tackle. Dane, you've watched him. He's mm-hmm. extremely athletic. When you watch him, it's hard not to see some semblance of Lane Johnson when he was a junior uh, at Oklahoma because you say, well, you know, he needs to get stronger. Spencer Brown is one of the most physical finishers of anybody that I've watched on tape for a while. Like, he looks to absolutely bury and embarrass you. He's very strong, but he's also 6'8 plus. So he's got a high center of gravity, so there are going to be some issues. Even He's a bender, so he still gets his pad level dropped, but it's still going to be... You know, there's still going to be players who play under him, so it will be a little hit or miss. But I just see some things athletically that I'm very excited about. He's very, very tough. I think he's going to have about 35-inch arms. And so there's a lot of – and I think he's capable of playing left tackle. If, If Jedrick could do it, move from right to left, I think that from an athletic standpoint, I have no doubt that Spencer Brown from northern Iowa can play. And the cool thing about Spencer, I think, and one of the scouts told me that he loves the fact that he had a chance to transfer out as a graduate transfer and, you know, go go play somewhere else, get in the portal. And he said, no, this mm-hmm. is the only team that offered me, and I'm loyal to Northern Iowa, and I'm not leaving Northern Iowa. And I thought that was really cool.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And Brown is – it, it, he's really interesting. He he played eight man football in high school, and he uh, he was a a five sport standout. So I mean, he just he wasn't uh, you know groomed to be a football player, uh, and especially an offensive lineman. But shot put,
2: uh, discus, and wrestling yeah. that, those are the big three for offensive line coaches. They love those three.
1: And you you throw on the Iowa State tape from last year, and you see a guy who's not shy getting physical. Uh, you know, he he really loves that physicality part of the position His the competitive toughness is is evident on his tape uh he can mirror and pass pro I mean there's a lot of things there that you want to work with and now you know the appropriate draft grade for a player like this is tough and, and I think that that's really why uh you know we can't wait to see him in mobile to kind of figure out okay how far away is he from really giving you meaningful snaps uh, on an NFL field, and it's it, it, who'd you like better, him or or Radens at? Uh, oh, North Dakota it's not State? even close. I don't like Raidens that much. Yeah, I know I agree with you. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't, don't know understand. Radins...
2: Where's this stuff coming from on Radens? They're not even. I was expecting to see them both on the same level. Radens no. is a tough. He's a tough guy, but he's not near the athlete. I think Radens is a potential kick down to guard where he can be a you know, a tough guy on the inside, but I don't see a, I don't even think it's comparable. I think Raiden's look more like, I know he'll get drafted higher, but to me, he looks more like a fourth. And I think Spencer Brown is a, is a, is a Sebastian Vollmer type who Mm -hmm. could turn into, you know, um, an early two. And, you know, you never, and if he has a great senior boy, he didn't play this year. If his body type, because he's, He's also really well built, like lean muscle mass, wears 320 exceptionally well. I'm telling you, I think he's the guy that's going to get hot in this process. I really do. And it wouldn't shock me if he ended up with a push into the first, but I, I think top 50 is a lock for a guy like Spencer Brown with his length and athleticism and toughness. Um, as long as you think he can play with the anchor strength necessary, um, I absolutely think that, and now he's better on the move. You know he's better right. on the move than as an inline blocker, but uh, I don't think it's even. I don't think it's close between Radens versus Brown.
1: No, I, I don't either. I, I Radens is not a top 100 lock, uh, where Brown I think is. I I graded him as a late two, early three, uh, along with like Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. You know, just he, he's he's one of the top five offensive tackles, senior offensive tackles, I should say uh but yeah there's there's a lot of foundation traits there that you want to work with and you want to really coach up and the senior bowl will be big the one big thing that really bothered me with Spencer Brown's tape is he's just a little too reactionary uh you know he allows pass rushers to set things up and then he tries to react and a lot of times at the FCS level he can get away with that but uh, you know it'll be a much different discussion against NFL level pass rushers so it's something where he needs to play out more in front Um, And that's something that a guy like Rashawn Slater at Northwestern does so well, and why I think he's a tackle is because he stays out in front, he engages, uh, you know, that that first contact, and he wins early. So that's something that I think Spencer Brown needs to work on uh, as well, and something that you know he he's working with Joe Staley a little bit um, as he prepares for uh, the Senior Bowl and the in the combine and the pre-draft process. So. Uh, you know, really eager to see you know what he looks like because we just we haven't seen him in a while, so that's that that's a great pick. Uh, Spencer Brown is a, is a player who has a ton of ability, and I, I think you're right. He couldn't end up being a a riser when it's all said and done. When we're uh, leaving the Senior Bowl this year, so yeah, big,
2: long, athletic, and and to, my my grade on him right now is a six point three six, and on my draft on my draft grade a six three six. Is possesses a talent to become a dependable starter within the first couple seasons, should be an immediate contributor for any team he joins. I could see him getting an early start at a, at a tackle spot or being shuffled into a, you know, while he learns, because he didn't play football this year. So, yeah. you know, being shuffled into a swing tackle position, but a, a 6-3 is a plus starter in the league. So I really, I feel very good about him. Now, Rashawn Slater, I've got a 6.71. I think he steps in as a starter immediately, day one. And Agreed. he is, so far, of the guys I've written up, which is not a ton, but I've got final write-ups. Uh, Michael Parsons is my top guy up to this point, and Rashawn Slater is two. So that's kind of you know how I'm looking at, at that.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree, right? Rashawn Slater, he was OT two for me behind Sewell uh, in the summer. And even though he hasn't played this year, I mean, nothing's changed. I mean, Slater Sewell, is...
2: Sewell's probably going to be – I've watched enough Sewell to know what he is. He's got dumb explosiveness into blocks, like pulverizes people. But I'm saving him because I'm headed up to uh, see my parents for Thanksgiving, so I'm bringing all the Sewell tape I have. And my dad, whether he likes it or not, is watching I'm going to watch a lot of Panay Sewell with him. and We did that with Tristan Wurfs last last year, and I'm going to do the same thing with Panay Sewell this year.
1: Okay, well, we have our uh, topic for next week's podcast. Yeah, we do. Uh, we do. We, I can, can get him on. I
2: have got a if you want to talk, you know, Penei and offensive line stuff, I know a guy.
1: Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Uh well, that, that that's great cuz yeah, this this is an, it's a it's a weird offensive tackle class cuz we have I think a clear-cut top guy and then, you know, there's uh, you know, you and I both love Slater. But then there's a lot of, uh, you know, guys up in the air who show talent, but, you know, they have their flaws. Guys like, you know, Christian Derosaw from Virginia Tech, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, Alex Leatherwood, who uh, yeah. probably a better guard, but can he stay at tackle? Maybe, uh, you know, Jalen Mayfield at Michigan, Samuel Cosme at Texas. Uh, you know, Eichenberg has played well from Notre Dame. Yeah, we so have
2: some depth. I mean, there's some depth yeah, oh, in this yeah. year's
1: class. It, well, it's, it's it's kind of the opposite of last year, where last year we had five guys going in to the top 20 you know, these, these big time talents. And, you know, then the depth really kind of fell off where this year we might only have one going the to top 15, uh, one tackle going the to top 15. But then there's some pretty intriguing guys in the back half of round one into rounds two, and then maybe even in the round three. So the tackle class, uh, with especially with these juniors come out, guys like you know Abe Lucas uh at Washington State and you know Cosme and those guys so it's it really is an interesting group of tackles uh just outside of the top 15 picks
2: Walker has Walker Little he hasn't accepted or has he been offered has he accepted by he, any chance
1: He has been offered um he needs to accept I mean I think he's crazy oh, he's- not to go to the Senior Bowl and uh, we just haven't see, we haven't seen him. And if, if he doesn't go, long.
2: then it's going to look like he's avoiding the Senior Bowl.
1: Absolutely. And uh, I mean, he's got smart people around him. He's a smart guy himself. Uh, you know he he needs to he needs to show that a he's healthy. You know, he had the knee injury last year, and you know, being able to go to Mobile and show that he can move around. He's you know, there's no rust. There's no. Uh, you know lingering effects of that knee injury Um, and then just to show where he's improved Uh, you know go out there and compete so hopefully in especially in a class like this where it's a competitive group there's it's going to be the littlest things that might uh, that teams might use to stack these guys on their board Walker Little has plenty to gain by going down there to mobile and compete oh without question I mean and did you you I know you graded him did you uh what did you give him based off of what you just the two thousand the brief two thousand nineteen stuff and then the two thousand eighteen tape?
2: Yeah, I gave him a six two three, which would be a third rounder, yeah. um, a prospect with some limiting factors who should become a good NFL backup and may become an eventual starter. When you have a six three, I consider you an eventual starter. A six one could be a good backup. Um, I do look. I watched one game of 19 because that's all he had, one game of 19. He looked a little bit stronger. But for me, and I had a disagreement with uh, um, a league personnel guy, but I feel like I'm right on this one. He's got – I think he's got to get stronger. You see when – you know, the ability to press somebody off your edge, when a defensive end gets in, let's say you're slow with your hands and he's mm-hmm. trying to turn a corner and he gets into you and your arms are there by your side and you got your hands on him, that ability to bench press him off, to press and extend a player off is how you redirect a rusher. A rusher may win the first phase of the battle, but you need to win. But, but you know, the blocker needs to take over in the second phase and either anchor if an anchor is necessary or extend and redirect the blocker. And that's something that I really haven't seen from Walker Little in 18 tape and the one game in 19. It's my biggest concern is his natural core strength how strong is he? Is he strong enough to keep a strong player from running right down the middle of him? Um, there's lots of things I like. I love the way he moves from a lateral standpoint. And, uh, you know, he's, he's fairly technically sound, but you have to be strong enough. You just have yeah. to. It's a non starter. So, strong enough. You don't have to be strong, but you got to be strong enough. And I need to see that because right now, I can't put him any higher than a third round grade for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm picking a, a football team. If Ezra Cleveland goes in the third, there's really no reason I put Walker little any better than that.
1: Yeah, no, it is it, a player who could really gain uh, some momentum at the senior bowl, help his bank account. Uh, hopefully he, he decides to go. So, uh, so I put out a question on, or a, a call on Twitter to give us some questions. Got a lot of good ones. So appreciate everybody that uh, responded to that. Won't be able to get to all of them, obviously, but uh, starting out here uh, from at Colts with Grant, Julian Blackman who you know we've we've touched on this year defensive rookie of the year candidate uh, if he's not the defensive rookie of the year who is and Blackman uh, he had a he, he seems to make the right plays at the right time impact plays and he did it again uh, against the the Packers with uh, that forced fumble uh, in overtime just a a big time play in the right moment and you know we 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 talked about him before how Chris Ballard give him the credit for taking a guy who had up and down moments in college coming off an ACL injury to take him in the 3rd round uh, and you know he's paying immediate dividends uh, for the Colts so just uh, a player who is playing at the highest level do you think he is a uh i mean he is a legitimate defensive rookie of the year candidate do you think he's uh, you know the favorite right now do you think he's top 3 uh you know how do you kind of stack it cuz really to be honest you know, offense is is one thing, you know, Joe Burrow, who unfortunately is out now with the knee injury, but Justin Herbert's been outstanding. Uh, you know, we, the, the wide receivers have been ridiculous. The offensive tackles deserve uh, rookie of the year love. Uh, but on defense, we really haven't had, no. you, you know, Chase Young's been great when he's in there. And I think he he's in that discussion. But the defense, the defensive rookies really haven't really brought this brought the same uh, impact plays as maybe some of the offensive guys.
2: Yeah, I would say um, right now, and actually it's fairly bunched up, you know, I think Patrick Queen, because he's going to have the production, right. has, has a natural advantage, but his team's not playing great right now. Patrick Queen, uh, Patrick Queen Chase Young, but, you know, from a defensive standpoint, Jeremy Chen, Antoine Winfield and Julian Blackman. you look at these teams now Chen is not on a winning team that hurts his, that hurts his you know his, his chances even though he's going to put some numbers up. But Antoine Winfield is going to play on a winning team a, a playoff yeah. team and Julian Blackman, you know the ability to come back from his injury and play at a, a high level is for a good defense is really um, really impressive. And I've seen the odds on it, the latest odds are something like plus 700, which would make him a 7-1 to underdog. That's great value if you just want to look at it from a handicapping standpoint because he is, he is going to continue to play. He is going to continue to make his mark. And while he may not stack up the tackles like Patrick Queen does, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who doesn't think that Julian Blackman is making as many or more impact plays where he's popping during games. He's flashing during games. And so uh yeah I think you're uh, I think when it's all said and done Blackman will be one of the top 3. And Chase Young may not even be a top 3 guy if he doesn't stay on the field and become more productive.
1: Yeah and it's I mean, he he's out there and he's playing well, but you know, I agree. It's 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 an award that is based a lot on production, and so uh, you know, sack numbers will, will matter for a guy like Chase Young and his candidacy. And and fair or unfair, the fact that he was the number two overall pick and you know, widely considered the top. Uh, Non-quarterback in the draft, with those types of you know statements come expectations. So uh, you know if he doesn't meet those expectations, then no, I I agree. And part of that is because of the injury stuff. But Blackman's definitely in the discussion. Antoine Winfield, I, I think, is is absolutely in there as well. A few other players. I mean, Jalen Johnson's played well for the Bears. Um, You know, he's had his rookie moments as well, but um, he's played well. I mean, I thought Trevon Diggs might have been able to get there uh, for the Cowboys with how he played uh, before his injury. So, uh, you know, a couple of these rookies have really stood out, but not like uh, the offensive guys, uh, which is a uh, much tougher field. Although, you know, Justin Herbert, could run away with it now that Burrows hurt. I think uh, I think he will. mean, we've yeah. had
2: some great r- wide receiver years, without question. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, frankly, Herbert's probably going to hit thirty touchdowns, which is going to break lock the him, Which is going to lock him in to break the record. And look, he's been fantastic. He's yeah. he's exceeded everybody's expectation of him early in his career. He doesn't the game doesn't look too big for him? He looks like a leader. He's he's been very consistent. From a production standpoint, I do think that this year, I I, I do think that the offensive linemen deserves some credit, specifically Tristan Wirfs. I do think that you know if you if they really if they really were honest about rookie of the year and how guys have played, for example, I'm looking right now at the top five, and it looks like this: Herbert's the favorite, followed by. Burrow, followed by Tua, then Justin Jefferson, then Clay, Chase Claypool. Now yep. Claypool and Jefferson, a hundred
1: Claypool's got ten touchdowns now in, in ten games. Yeah, he's
2: got ten <laughs> touchdowns in ten games. Yeah, so Claypool deserves a ton of credit and love, and should be up there. Justin Jefferson should be up there. This is it's way too early for Tua to be. I mean, honestly, Chase Claypool, Justin Jefferson, uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. And probably Tristan Wirfs deserve to be your top five. And you know it's, hey, it's you, you have Edwards Alaire has had a, a nice year, mm-hmm. um, Harrison Bryant has night. had a, a nice year. You know there's there's been some Jedrick guys. Wills. A, Jedrick Wills has had a a really solid year. So, um, yeah it's, it was a it's been a good rookie class. The year of quarter. I asked you this earlier in the year. Will this go down? And you said offensive line, and I said offensive. line. Or tackle. Will this be known as the tackle draft or the quarterback draft? I'm not so sure anymore. Previously, I said the tackle draft, but man, I didn't expect Burrow to do this. I'm I'm sorry, not Burrow. I didn't expect Herbert to do this.
1: Yeah. And, you know, uh, Jim Nagy made an interesting point uh, about this upcoming class of quarterbacks uh, because what guys like Herbert and Tua and Burrow are doing are they're setting expectations for what. an early top 10 quarterback should look like and whether that's fair or not perception is reality and so you know can Justin Fields come in and do what Justin Herbert's doing can uh, Zach Wilson come in and do that I mean it's 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 a really interesting uh, dynamic when we have this rookie class of quarterbacks that's playing so well so early and then a, a, a upcoming class of quarterbacks that is getting a lot of hype uh, for the amount of talent you know we could have four going to the top 10 top 12 Uh, but how you know and, and then comparing the two it's a really interesting dynamic that um, you know I, I think you're right I think this is uh, you know at first looked like going to be a tackle or a group known for the tackles but it's skewing hard towards the quarterbacks.
2: Yeah it really is and Uh, Hey, that's fine. I mean, this is the first time that we've had, this is when you look at fields and Trevor Lawrence and, you know, some of the guys coming out this year and what's to come. It's hard not to be excited as, as a football fan, because I get to watch the transition of college to pro and we all do. But when you look at how deep, uh, the quarterback positions are getting, like, there's not as you really go through and look at teams that need quarterbacks I never thought I would say this this fast, but Philadelphia needs a quarterback. I mean, yeah. I don't know what has happened to Carson Wentz. Let me ask you. I had somebody ask me, it's kind of off script here, but um, I had somebody text me today. I was doing my radio show this morning, and they said, does Carson Wentz's regression hurt Trey Lance? And the obvious sentiment is North Dakota State quarterback, North Dakota State quarterback. Now, right off the bat, I say no, because he came out, Wentz came out playing really well. His second year he was like 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Right. He was really really good. I don't even recognize the guy I see on the field anymore. This looks like somebody who's, you know, it clock struck midnight and the carriage turned into a pumpkin. I don't even hmm. I don't even recognize Carson Palm or Carson Wentz anymore. However, is it crazy I don't think it would be the case, but is there any chance that Wentz's regression would make anyone nervous about Trey Lance, who's coming from the same school?
1: You know, it's a similar conversation with, you know, with Dwayne Haskins struggling. uh, What does that mean for Justin Fields? And, you know, I I personally, unless you can find a common denominator besides just a decal on the helmet, then I don't put much stock into it. Uh, You know, if... You know, and that's and that was the thing with you know Texas Tech quarterbacks. Yes, they both they all went to Texas Tech, but they all came in the same system. And so I think you know Wentz, uh, you know they're playing slightly different offense uh, with Trey Lance, even though it's still a a run first offense. And you know there's going to be some similarities, but I think there's enough of a gap there where there's there's a lot more differences between the two. Uh, and I'm not holding it against him. Uh, but people will, just like they're going to hold it against Justin Fields, that Dwayne Haskins. And really, I mean, you, you look, boil it down to when's the last Ohio State quarterback who panned out? I mean, there just haven't been many, although I would argue there haven't been many that were supposed to. Don't 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 give me Cardell Jones. I mean, Troy Smith, JT Barrett, uh, you know, you can go... Uh, uh, farther back, uh, Craig Krenzel. And, you know, uh, the further you go back... This
2: this is how I know you're from Ohio.
1: You went all (laughs) the way back to Craig Krenzel. Joe Germain and Steve (laughs) Belisari. Yeah, trust me. But, I mean, that's kind of the point. Like, there's not many quarterbacks from Ohio State that were supposed to be uh, big-time NFL quarterbacks. And so, uh, Justin Fields is different. I mean, he's even though he's coming off uh, the worst game of his career against Indiana through three picks... Still had three touchdowns, threw for 300 yards. Um, you know, it's, it, it's part of his evaluation. But me personally, uh, you know, I, I don't put much stock into, in, in, into where he went to school based off of another quarterback going there unless you can find another common denominator and that's maybe a certain coaching point, um, you know, a certain something going on with the training, um, you know, something with that scheme, something like that, which I, I don't think is applicable here.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't typically now from a scheme standpoint. If you see scheme, scheme, I talked to his. Uh, I talked to the quarterback coach um, and passing game coordinator over at North Dakota State, and we talked about what um, you know. We talked about where um, Trey Lance is relative to when Carson Wentz was there. Um, but you know, one of the things he said was, "This kid is exceptionally." intelligent when it comes to football IQ um, really lives in the film room they do something where and I've got it written up here so I want to make sure I get it right on Tuesdays he studies on Mondays he studies opponents personnel groupings defensively on Tuesday he studies his opponents third downs and what they like to do on third downs uh, from a pressure standpoint on Thursdays they work on two-minute offense and how to attack the two-minute offense. this is just this is just on tape. And then on Fridays he does his own uh, cut-up of uh, red-zone stuff as well. So, and I'm talking about the the cut-up is the quarterback room does that. So this is a this is a player in Trey Lance, and you know you want to talk about system. They do a lot more full-field reads over North Dakota State. If anything, they allow you to operate. He sets all his own protections. What I'm trying to tell you is. Don't look at Carson Wentz. Trey Lance is going to be more ready for the mental part of the NFL game than most of the prospects who will be in this year's draft at quarterback position. That's what hmm. I'm trying to tell you. And he's at North Dakota State. Most guys do not prepare like this. And he's already preparing like a pro.
1: Very very interesting. That's something that will show uh at the combine, uh you know, in the interview process, when they really, you know, get into the X's and O's part of it with concepts and you know what he's seeing in terms of reading defenses and setting protections and things like that. And uh, it's it's such a you know an interesting dynamic for him because he's not on the field, but he's still maximizing his time in terms of developing and growing. And you still have to execute on the field. But still, that's uh, that's that's really, really interesting uh, with Lance and something that uh, will uh, undoubtedly help him in terms of the draft process. And, you know, we'll have to kind of wait and see what it means for his NFL future.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: Uh, okay, moving on here for the next uh, a couple more questions here uh, from at Dave GT5. How many edge rushers uh, will or at least should go in the first round and is it a strong class? It's it's an interesting class because we don't have we've been spoiled with Miles Garrett and the Bosa's and Chase Young you know those premier pass rushers this year we might not have a top ten pass rusher Uh, I don't think any of these guys are locked to go in the top ten but we've got some interesting players in the first round a guy like Quiddy Pay out of Michigan who um, you know there's if he tests like he's supposed to he's going to go somewhere in the top twenty um there's plenty to like about him uh Rousseau from Miami we've talked about before who it was so dynamic last year but you know he did a lot of a lot of his production came from uh, lining up inside and he's just has so little experience at the position and you know that could be looked at as a strength or a weakness because he still has a ways to go before he can reach a ceiling. Uh, Jason Owe is just about as talented as as anybody uh, in the country just still putting it all together. Uh, Joseph Osai from Texas you just wind him up and let him go and uh, you know, good luck slowing him down. He just never quits fighting and uh, scratching, crawling to the pocket. Uh, Aziz Adjulari from Georgia is one of my favorites who um, another guy is still young and still figuring things out. But the natural athleticism could get him in the first round. It's it's a really interesting group of, ta- or of of edge rushers who don't necessarily have the proven resume, but there's there's traits that you can point to and say, okay, that's why this one's my favorite.
2: Yeah, I'm curious, do you see um do you see any similarities, not just in terms of stature, because I do think that I mean, I'm already on the record as saying I think Quiddy Pay with his with his stature and his strength and mm-hmm. his frame, I think he might be an interesting um reduced rusher. On the next level, where he can just use his quickness, quickness and explosiveness uh, to be an interior rusher, it's not gonna surprise me if he can carry 285 pounds. That looks good on his frame, but when you see his size and the way he comes off the ball, uh, you know I can't help but um, I can't help but uh, a little bit see. And they're different body; they're they're similar. He's not as big, but Josh Uche, you know the way he's built, so low to the ground. And he plays like that. Quiddy Pay kind of play, plays like that. They're just different, they're different sizes of the same type of rusher. I think the middle round offers some really interesting uh you know, Rashad from Oregon State, I think is he hasn't got he hasn't gotten off the mark yet, uh, but I think he could. He's coming off a 14 sack season. Joe Tryon, who opted out, um, but from Washington, I think is a is a high energy rusher to keep your eye on. Um a senior bowl uh, invite is Shaka Tony, who he's not consistent. Did you like him? You know, I didn't love him last year, and I wrote him up. But what I said, let me pull up what I said, because I thought he might be coming out.
1: He has a great first step. Uh, that might that be what I like most about him, but... yeah. I, I, I don't know. He he's a guy who he's undersized and you know he just he doesn't play with consistent power in a no, rush. And that, that really bothers me. I don't see the urgency.
2: I don't see the the finish. Um I gave him a six-one, which is more of a, a quality backup. I said smooth and athletic with ability to burn and bend the edge. His explosive get off with good forward lean, maintains rush speed beyond the arc. While he's dangerous around the edge, he lacks play strength to convert inside counters. And speed to power charges slippery with his ability to work around blockers at the point of attack, but he may not be strong enough to take, uh, or tough enough to be trusted with early down duties. And what I'm telling you by throwing these things out here is, I don't trust him to stop the NFL run. So now Mm -hmm. we're dealing with the designated pass rusher because if he's not big and tough and strong enough to play the run on, or when I say he can't, he may not be able to play the early downs. That means we're talking about a DPR. Designated yep. pass rusher. And once Agreed. you start talking DPRs, you better really be special to get drafted like in a second round, first, second round. Um, like the Bruce Irvin types, when he came out, he was just such a freak athlete. For Tony, I see him more as, uh, I saw him more as a middle round pick.
1: Agree. Yeah, same thing here. Um, he's speed-reliant rusher who just, when he tries to use power, it just stalls out too quickly. So uh, I'm with you. And there's there's other guys in this class, you know, like Rashad Weaver from Pitt, who I yeah. really like. Uh, you know, I think he's somewhere in the top 75 discussion. Um, you know, Boogie Bashman, Wake Forest, uh, the, the Maijai Sanders at Cincinnati, I think, has got a lot of ability there. So this pass rusher class is it, – it's it, it, what, what it lacks in high-end talent Uh, it more than makes up with uh, in, you know, rounds, uh, you know, or the late one through round four of just really intriguing players. So it's, it really is a good group. Uh, Last question here um, from at K hedge 48. What is your favorite position to evaluate and why this is uh, a great segue into the final topic here. We'll touch on, we wanted to talk about uh, scouting the running back position, which I know is your favorite position to evaluate. Why is that?
2: You know, I, I think it gets to the fact that I've studied so much run game stuff and and, and offensive line stuff. Uh, you know, my dad being an offensive line coach, well, offensive lines block, and they block for people. And so, you know, my favorite stuff is watching running backs and linebackers because these are some of the most instinctive. I love seeing that that ability to just know what's going to happen, almost like linebackers who know what the play is. Well, running backs who feel the blocking scheme and who recognize where holes are coming from, even where they seem to see, like, I'll go back and watch in slow motion. Did this guy see or feel the pressure come? Did he hear something? Cause how does he know to make a jump cut right there? And for me, um, watching outside zone teams, watching running backs who recognize cutback lanes, watching, Guys run gap scheme stuff where they have to run with power and and, and a fearlessness and a courage uh, to attack downhill into into an area where the block hasn't quite cleared, but they've got to trust their blockers. And if it's not quite there, make subtle shifts to to really wiggle through smaller, tighter holes. A lot of what we're talking about, look, you can find runners to run outside zone, but there are also special running backs who do more f- for you and, and 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 with their talent level. And I think that for me the reason and we'll get into some of the things we look for but the reason running backs are so fun to me is because I think on tape they tell you who they are in two games and you start to see you start to see who's the most courageous, who is the most competitive. Like man, Devin Singletary this was just like crazy watching him. And, I, and two of my favorite guys to watch over the last two years, Devin Singletary two years ago and Zach Moss last year for different reasons. Well, one was ultra competitive with just crazy wiggle and elusiveness. The other was ultra physical. And ultra competitive, and Zach Moss with the desire to absolutely challenge your manhood every time. And now they're on the same team, and I just think you you see a player's personality at running back. You really do, and you see special traits and special abilities, and sometimes a sixth sense of how to process on the first and second level. So that's for me, Dane. That's one of the reasons I just really enjoy watching running backs.
1: Yeah, and I, I I'm right there with you. It's it's also one of those positions where I was taught that you should be able to tell pretty quickly. You know, running back and linebacker, you should be able to tell pretty quickly. Uh, you know, how quickly they see things, uh, the way they can break it down. Uh, you know, just do they have that feel to them? They can sense what is about to happen, uh, but it, they still have that vision where they have an escape plan. Um, And so that ability to not only instinctively sort through what's in front of them, but then also have the quickness to clear holes and uh, take advantage uh, of it. Because there are some guys who have the vision to... Uh, or the anticipation to see what's what, what's happening, but they don't necessarily have the athleticism to hit that hole and, and make it happen uh, with the right timing. And that's why I love J.K. Dobbins last year so much. He just he seemed like he was so natural with that. Not only could he sense what was about to happen, but he hit it at the right time with the right movements. And uh, you know, even though he was. I think the fifth running back drafted, I, to me, he, I had him rated as the number one guy because it was just, he was so natural for him. And, and that really stood out to me when I watched his tape. So it, it really is a fun position to evaluate. And so let me, you know, if I, if I put these three traits, rank these three traits at the running back position, uh, vision, contact balance, creativity. If you had to rank those one through three in terms of importance, in terms of evaluating and translating to the next level vision contact balance creativity how would you how would you rank those I would
2: say vision and contact and then creativity last yeah. um, and the reason I say that is because if you have great vision you can avoid certain areas of traffic if you have contact balance you can you can create additional yards through contact with your ability um, to because you have a natural, in, you're instinctive in terms of your ability to counter balance. Contact balance is really, to me, you either have, you play with a wider base. And for some guys, it, it's just a, uh, it's a genetic thing in terms of where, how your hips are and how you, you know, how, you, how your base comes out and how you run. But the ability, you know, when you talk about count, when you talk about, Contact balance. There's a counterbalance where you feel contact coming and you begin to um, alter. Where your weight is shifted, and you know, I study this stuff going slow motion because I find it so fascinating—the sports science of it all. Where you see guys who are able to, uh, for example, keep their shoulders square. It's one of the best way to run, you know, to have that contact balance. But then the ability to offset your weight in a different direction and shift it in a different direction, so that you can absorb a hit, and yet keep your body square, as opposed to having too much of the contact drive you off of a point of balance and a center of gravity. And so contact balance is something that I think is, it, it can't be taught. It's it's instinctive and it's physical. You either have a certain physical capacity and a certain instinct to shift your weight uh, in your body when you're being hit or when you anticipate hit. And that's also where vision comes in, being able to see where that is. But players with vision can create, can create the most... Out of what is there from a blocking standpoint? Now I love creativity, and in your question, really, Dane, I don't think there's a wrong answer because I think those are the three most important. I, I would put I would put burst up there with the two, um, but I think what you mentioned. There's nothing worse. I'll give you an example. I just wrote up Javion Hawkins. He opted out from mm-hmm. uh, uh, since from uh, Louisville. Louisville. I really enjoy watching him run. He is a really fun outside zone runner. but what's funny and, and this happens this happens from time to time. He's got some creativity and some subtleness to his movement on the first level, but but once he gets him on the second and third level, he's just not as creative. He just, once that traffic gets to him, he's more likely to just kind of finish his runoff or not be able to get away from those runners. And it's because he doesn't have the great contact balance, because he's kind of got a thinner, lower body, and he's just not super creative. I would say if you have two of those three characteristics that you just mentioned, if you have two of the three you got a pretty good chance to make it in the league.
1: Yeah. And that makes sense. Um, I that, I think that's a good way to wrap it up for today. Uh, I, I agree with what, what you said there. Um, hey, I, I've got one question for you. Do you yeah. view,
2: do you view mirrors uh, that every position has a mirror? And I'll tell you what I mean To me, mm. Offensive tackles and pass rushers are trying to get Mm -hmm. the same things accomplished. Cornerbacks and wide receivers are trying to get the same thing accomplished. When we were talking about, you were talking about linebackers and running backs. You know, sifting through the bodies and the traffic, to me, they're mirror images. Running the alley is the same as, for a linebacker, is the same as, being able to keep it play side and turn the corner for a running back. Like, I feel like they're mirror positions. A safety mm-hmm. mirrors a quarterback.
1: No, that makes 100% sense. Um, and for me at the running back position, you know, I try to boil it down to as few words as I can just to make things simple. And so for for running back success, it comes down for me for two things. Can you navigate and can you create? And that's basically, what if you're a linebacker, that, and you're playing downhill against a running back and you're mirroring that position. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to navigate through everything, not just physically with your ability to take on blocks and, uh, you know, force your way to the lane or the, or the ball. But also with your mind, because you're trying to break down. You know, you have your keys. What are the linemen doing? Uh, you know, you're you're trying to read the backfield and see through blockers, and so you're navigating physically and mentally. And then you have to create. You have to finish. You have to make something happen. Uh, you know, at, at wherever at that contact point, wherever it is, at the soonest point it can be. So. That I think that makes sense. It's uh, you know with uh, and then that goes back to one on ones at the Senior Bowl. That's why those are so beneficial because you're seeing these guys. Uh, you know, and it it could be uh, you know a little more advantageous for one side over the other uh, just because of the 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 situation, what they're that they're put in. But I agree with you. It's a good way to evaluate the position.
2: Yeah. Well, it's been a good talk today. I really love. Um... I really love breaking down these positions with you because we, I know we see them similarly, but I always like, you know, I had uh, I had a running back coach who once told me, Lance, and this is a longtime running back coach, and this is some great advice that um, I'm sure you know, and I'm going to throw it out there for listeners who like to evaluate. He said, if you can't create for yourself, either through power, speed, or elusiveness, then you're going to have a hard time staying in the league you have right. to be able to you can't just be a guy who gets what's blocked and stick around in the league you may you may stick around for 3 years but eventually somebody's going to be able to do one of those three things and you'll be gone. And I've always remembered that. And I want a running back to have at least two of those characteristics if I think he's going to be special. And if you think about the special running backs in the league, you'll find it. most of them hit two. Some of them, like Adrian Peterson, could hit three. Um, But almost always you have to have one of those features where you're really good at that if you're a good running back. If you're a special running back, you can hit at least two.
1: Well said, well said. Uh, and that's a, that's a good way to wrap it up this week. Uh, you can find Lance, at Lance Zerline on Twitter. I'm at DP Brugler As always, please uh, subscribe, rate, comment. We really, really appreciate that. And we'll talk to you next week.